Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, today is a good day, isn't it? It's a great day. You know why I like today? Today, Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His word is still true. There's not, a, there's not one word that he spoke that has not or will not come to pass. What Jesus says he will do, that's what he will do. You know one of the things that Jesus gave us? Are you ready for this? He said, the things that I do, you shall do. And you say, but, but I don't have that ability. And you're so astute, you're right, we don't. But he does. And it's through faith in him. One of the things that Jesus gave us the, the privilege, the opportunity to do, is to pray, to pray in faith. And to believe. And he said, it's the prayer of faith that will raise the sick. How many believe that the Lord heals? How many in here have been healed? Doctors told my mom and dad when I was just young, uh, after having a series of illnesses, they said, your son has a heart condition. He'll never live past the age of 10. I'm older than 10. You say, how old are you? I, I'm, I am none of your business old. Uh, but I, I'm older than 10. Because I remember a little country preacher that came and visited my mom and dad. And they prayed. And from that point on, I started getting better. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of, that the Lord has that when we pray, he is moved. And I want to take that this morning. We have good friends of ours, Chuck and Dell Hughes. And if you have not heard, uh, Chuck had a heart attack this week. He is in intensive care in Strasbourg, France. And they are waiting uh, to put in a, a stent or two this week. How many believe the Lord can just go ahead and touch him and, and take care of the situation. Can we, can we do that? Would you stand with me one more time? I want to go to the Lord in prayer, in faith, believing that God has this under control, that God's going to take care of it. And not only is God going to take care of it, but it's going to be a massive testimony to the greatness of God for the people living in Strasbourg, France. Their church is, is growing with young families, and the adversary does not like it, but that's too bad, because I don't care what the adversary likes. I want to do what Jesus wants, and Jesus is here to set people free. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in the authority of Christ, not on our own accord, but through the authority that has been given your people, the body of Christ. Lord, we realize that it's nothing about us, but it's about you. You control everything. You have all power and authority, and you have given us that authority. So, Lord, today we pray in faith, believing for divine healing for Chuck. We pray today that you would pour out your favor and blessing upon him. And, Lord, whether you heal him miraculously or you use the hands of a physician, Lord, that is up to you. But, Lord, we are believing and trusting in you for healing. So Lord, we pray that you not only be with him, that you would be with Dell, that you would speak your peace right now in that hospital room. Allow the presence of God to descend. 
and allow them to feel your presence and let them know that they are yours, that you love them, that you have called them, and that you have called them to Strasbourg and that you will fulfill your will and purpose in them there. So, Lord, we pray your blessings upon them, and we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody says... Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a moment. I want to talk to you, uh, continuing on, we are the church. We are the church, the ecclesia, the called out. We are the people of God. We are a people that were not a people. We were no one. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, not in the outhouse, or in the outhouse, rather, in the doghouse. We weren't in the outhouse either. Uh, <laughs> But we were in the cemetery. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But Christ gave us new life. We are the church. And I want to talk to you today about something, something that is so important to the vitality of the Christian walk. Each and every one of us as an individual and as a collective body of believers I want to talk to you today about generosity. Generosity, being generous. We're blessed to live in the most charitable country the world has, has seen. Do you realize that, that over 50% of all funds that are given to charities around the world come from the United States? Isn't that incredible? We get, we get so close and sometimes we, we forget but if you, if you take a trip around the world, you'll find pretty quick that, that we live in a, in a country that, that has had the, the spirit of charity, of generosity, of giving. It, it, it amazes me over and over again, whether it's a Hurricane Katrina or whether it's an earthquake or whatever it may be, whether it's a, uh, here domestically or abroad, when there is a need, people give. Isn't that amazing? See, charity, generosity is indicative of our spiritual well-being. Psalm 37 says, I was once young and now I'm old. This is King David speaking. And yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Not might be blessed, but will be blessed. Psalm 112.5, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs 22.9, a generous person will himself be blessed. For he shares his food with the poor. Generosity in the scripture is always conducted or connected with a blessing that those that are truly generous will be blessed by God. And one of the greatest witnesses to the Christian faith, to, to the children of God, is generosity. When you look and you open your Bible to the first chapter of Acts and, you, and, you, and, then you, and then you read how the church is formed in Acts 2 and Acts 3, you'll notice that 
that their church is filled with generosity, people seeing needs of others and acting on it. It's always been that way. In fact, uh, generosity, giving, <coughs> uh, is, is something that, that we almost always overlook. Acts, the church in Acts, was, was generous. We're commanded to be generous in Scripture. And a lot of times when we, when we talk about generosity, everybody's mind almost always goes to, to money. But there's so much more to generosity than finance. Although finance is a, a key component. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And the reason why Jesus, I believe, uh, commands us to give, it's, it helps us understand the need to be generous. My greatest concern in, in Christianity today is, is not the uh, funding, it's, but it's the lack of people following scriptural commandments and the forfeiture of God's promises to those that are generous generosity. 5%, 5% of all Christians, not just in the United States, but in the world, 5% tithe. Tithe is, is 10%. Out of those 5%, 80, 80, 80% or 85% of Christians tithe 2% or give 2%. See, giving 10% is, is a command. Giving 11 is being generous. And anything above that. Malachi chapter 3 is an amazing book. Because it tells us, God, God poses this question. He says, you look at me and you say, can a man rob God? And God says, but you robbed me. And then the man looks back and says, well, how have we robbed God? And he says, in your tithes and offerings. See, there's, a, there's an essential connection there. And you say, well, you're talking about money. I am right now, but I'm not going to talk about money. I want to get to something deeper and greater and more significant about generosity. But being generous, being able to give, give of your time, give of your talent, give of your resources, all of these things are indicative of our spiritual walk. I don't know where this came from, uh, but I, I've been using this, this folder for several weeks now. And this morning, when I, when I opened it up, this fell out. had some nice little birds on it and it had some writing on it. And so I opened it up and it said, Dear Reverend Redock, and I thought, I like that. And... And they said, this donation is given. So evidently they gave. This is from 2018. What happened uh, was, this is BC before COVID, uh, Easter Sunday, 2018. There was a couple that were driving on, on the 408. And they felt like they had a flat tire. So they pulled off, came down Lake Underhill, and they made it into our church parking lot. And right after church, on, sun, on Easter Sunday, not just Sunday, but Easter Sunday, when everybody wears their spiffy duds, when everybody's dressed, and, you know, and, and does, they had a flat tire 
And it says, thank you to your parishioners, Chris and Tricia Santos, because after service, and, and then they mentioned a couple of others that were there, that came over and changed their tire for them. They said, if we wouldn't have had the help, we would still be in your parking lot today. And say, well, what is that? Well, that's generosity. Because Easter Sunday, everybody has some place to go. Whether it's uh, Golden Corral or with family or whatever you're going to do, uh, everybody has a place to go and something to do. And, and it, it reminded me that this church is not only generous in giving, but this church is generous in character, in conduct, in giving of time, giving of, of personal needs. And, and I really found that to be a blessing to me, and I hope it's a blessing to you. I want to look at a passage of Scripture this morning, and, and I really want to get to where I'm, I'm wanting to go. And it's found in Luke chapter 6. Jesus is doing teaching, and it's Luke 6, 38. He's teaching on, on not judging and not condemning and, and on forgiveness. And notice in verse 38, he says, give, and it will be given to you. Prior to this, Jesus just says, don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Very simple, straightforward one-liners. I like that. I can wrap my mind around that. I can comprehend it. I can get it. Don't judge, don't condemn, and forgive. And he just is just simple. And then he goes on right here in verse 38. And, and, and many times we have used this verse in connection with giving. And it's really not about talking about finance, although it does have the infamous if-then protocol. And you say, well, what is the if-then protocol? That is how God deals with humanity. If you do this, I will do that. In, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. If you do this, I will do that. Christ died on the cross for our sins, but if we are faithful to ask for forgiveness, then he will forgive us. He is not going to forgive you until you ask for forgiveness. But when you ask for forgiveness, then he will forgive. God works on an if-then proposition with us. If you do your part, I will do mine. Israel had to walk around Jericho then God took care of the walls. The priests had to put their foot over the water of the Jordan, and then God split the, the, the Jordan River. It's always if we do our part, God does his. And look what he says here. He's not talking about finance, but he's talking about, forgive, he's talking about forgiveness, he's talking about judging, and he's talking about condemning. And he says, give, and it will be given you. A good measure. I like that. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, what he's talking about is the outer, outer garment that they would wear when they were getting like grain or something. And they could take it, and it would make like a giant pocket. 
And if you can picture this giant pocket, and he says, if you give, I'm going to give back to you a good measure. In other words, I'm going to give it to you more than what you gave to me, and I'm, I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it so there's no, there's no air pockets. I'm going to press it down, and then I'm going to f- uh, put more on top that it's going to, to flow over. So when you're walking around with your blessing, you're going to leave your blessing wherever you go because you got so much of it carrying it around that it's overflowing. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you present down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see that last one? If you use this measure, I will use that measure. If you use a little bit, I'll give you a little bit. Let's go on. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both fall in the pit? He said, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Jesus is giving us a, a, a insight into this passage of Scripture that we need to be like him. Jesus is instructing us in the generosity regarding our attitude toward others. He said, don't judge. What, what is judging? It, it's convicting somebody. Being the jury, finding them guilty. How many times have you seen somebody and, and you know what they did, but you don't know why? Jesus looked at his disciples, and by virtue, he looks at us and he says, You're not called to judge people. He said, Don't judge, don't condemn. Jesus connects our actions with God's actions. If you don't judge, he won't judge. If you don't condemn, he won't condemn. See, and the key to this whole passage of Scripture is being generous in not judging and not condemning and being generous in forgiving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver giver. God loves it when we're generous with a joyful heart. You know something that I have found? That whether it's, whether it's tithing and giving to the church or, or whether it's helping somebody else, if you do it reluctantly, you might as well just not do it at all. See, Jesus puts these situations in our lives and he allows things that be in our lives to help us understand that we have to be generous, that we have to have a heart that's like his, that we love to help, that we love to serve, that we love to minister to one another, that we see somebody in need and we think, wow, I get the opportunity to go help them. The key is being generous. It's the driving force behind everything we do. It's it's the driving force behind a a non-judgmental and a non-condemning spirit. Jesus loves a cheerful giver. Jesus loves it when we are non-judgmental. 
We are to judge and to be generous in, or not judge, not judging, not finding fault. I remember a story years ago of a, of a young pastor. He was single, and he had one of the uh, elderly ladies, not you guys, because nobody in here is elderly. Uh, not yet. We're, we're working on it, but we're not there. And, and, and lived across the street from the young pastor, and she noticed that, that a young lady came over to see him, and, he thought, and she thought, wow, well, the pastor's got a girlfriend. And so, you know, she noticed later on, about 8 o'clock, the car was still there. 9 o'clock, the car was still there. 10 o'clock, the car was still there. Midnight, the car was still there. And by midnight, she got really upset. So she called the elders of the church and said, there's a young lady over at the pastor's house, and she's spending the night. And they were upset. So... They, they met together and they were ready to confront the pastor. And the pastor got up that morning and preached the sermon. And then he, he looked at them and said, Oh, by the way, I want to introduce you to my sister. She knew what she saw, but didn't know who she saw. See, it's important for us to not judge. It's essential for us to not be judges. Why? Because Christ did not judge us. When we, when we were guilty in our trespasses and sins, Christ didn't condemn us, but he said, I will pardon you. I will cleanse you. Our responsibility as the body of Christ is not to be the judge, nor is it to be the jury. We are just witnesses of the testimony of what Christ has done for us. We're not to condemn others. All we have to do, and I know, I'm just... My friends, I'm looking at my own life and I'm saying, I have no right to judge anyone because Christ did not judge me. He pardoned me. He cleansed me. He gave me hope. He gave me purpose. He gave me new life. Then he has promised me eternal life. And I don't have the right to judge somebody. The only thing I can do is look at it and say, I used to be away from God, but now I'm drawn close to him because of his love and his grace. And he pardoned me, and he will do that for you. We're not here to judge. We're not here to condemn. Condemning is passing judgment. Sentencing. I sentence you to this. And you say, well, do we really condemn people? Are you human? Isn't that the human condition? Don't we like to look at people and say, you know, I, I was bad, but not as bad as that. Don't we like to... to you know, I used to, when I, when I taught school, especially junior high, I loved doing this. I, I let them set the class rules. It's like, you know, you would think that, that junior high students would set really lenient rules for themselves. They were stricter than any rule I would ever come up with. It was incredible. Then, I, then they learned pretty quick that they could not live up to their own rules. We're, we're very quick as humanity to pass judgment. And, and it's amazing to me. I remember uh, when, when Peter was 
uh, was following Christ and, and, the, and the city rejected him. He says, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven? Let's burn those people. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. See, Peter didn't know that his spirit was not of God at that moment. And condemning is not of God in our own eyes. I remember the story, true story, of, of, of the woman that was caught in adultery where Jesus was at the temple and the woman was caught in adultery and the Pharisees, those that were trying to, to condemn Jesus and judge him as, as not being from God and, and, and came and threw the woman caught in adultery before him and says, what does the law say? Because they knew it said that she needed to be stoned. And isn't it amazing that in that story, you hear nothing about the man that was caught in adultery. Even though scripture, the law said both should be stoned. But they took her and threw her before the Lord and started condemning her. And the scripture says Jesus just stooped on the ground and began writing in the sand. You ever wonder what he was writing? I wonder if he's putting somebody's name and then some kind of sin that they had committed. Erasing it, doing it again. But Jesus was so amazing. He said, as he stood up, he said, whoever ha is here without sin, let him cast the first stone. In other words, go ahead and judge her. Condemn her. Go ahead. You've passed judgment. Condemn her. Throw the rock at her. If you have never committed anything wrong, then go ahead. What was Jesus trying to help us understand? Was the law wrong? No. But see, there's a spirit behind the law. And the spirit is about forgiveness, about grace. Christ looked at the woman after all of the, all the men that had brought their, their, their rocks and he was going to stone her throw, and, and kill her. And they started dropping, thudding against the dirt. And they all left and it was just Jesus and the woman. Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't have any. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and stop sinning. Go and sin no more. It's imperative for God's people to get to the point that we don't pass judgment and we don't condemn because there are greater things in life. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, that includes me. I know that's shocking, isn't it? All, inclusive, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. John, in 1 John, writing to the church. And, and I've said this so many times, but it's so important for us to get it in our hearts and not just in our mind. John says, if 
anyone sins, he's talking to the church. He said, we, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to for, cleanse you, to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's essential. It's essential that, that we put on a forgiving spirit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, if you don't judge, I'm not going to judge you. And if you don't pass judgment, I'm not going to pass judgment on you. And if you will forgive, I'm going to forgive. And I'm not only not going to condemn, I'm not only not going to judge, and I'm not only not going uh, to give you forgiveness, but with the measure that you use, that's the measure I'm going to use on you. My friends, do you want to be judged? Do you want to be condemned? Do you want to be forgiven? Use a big measure. Be generous in not judging. Be generous in not condemning. And be abundantly generous in forgiveness. But pastor, you just don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. I know what we did to Christ. The only sinless human being ever to live. And while he was on the cross... Dying for our sins. Sins that were by right to be judged and right to be condemned. Says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. Look at our teacher on the cross. Friends, it doesn't matter what people have said, what people have done. Forgiveness will set you free. Forgiveness will make your load lighter. Forgiveness will allow you to pray and shed tears for those that have mistreated you, not tears of God vindicate me, but God forgive them. We are to be like our master. Jesus, the master teacher that didn't judge us, didn't condemn us, but brought us in to the body of Christ. Let's be generous. Can we do that? I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. I want to be like Jesus. Would you, would you stand with me? In just a moment, we're going to partake in communion. I'm going to ask those that are helping uh, with communion to please come. We... Take or partake in communion, the bread and the juice, in remembrance of what Christ did for us, that he gave his body and he gave and shed his blood so that the rightful judgment would not be pronounced on us and the rightful condemnation would not be ours, but that we could receive bountiful, bountiful forgiveness. Friends, 
today is a day when we look to what he did for us and say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for pardoning us. You see, sometimes we look at, as humanity, we look and say, well, I have sinned, but it's not like the sins of somebody else. And the reality is sin 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 is sin. And, and any sin will keep you out of the very presence of God. Every single one of us need forgiveness. And, and it's those that realize how much they need forgiveness. Those that are forgiven much love much. And the reason why we love much is because we realize how much we've been forgiven and that, that much is not about just the sins we've forgiven. And by the way, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. The blood of Christ still pardons and cleanses and forgives. And there's nothing that anybody has ever said or done that can't be washed away and cleansed. And they can be granted eternal life through Christ. So don't allow, well, my, my life has been, uh, no, it, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that he is greater than all of our sins. So when we come to him, we're thanking him for his shed blood. We're thanking for his broken body. And we're remembering, but by the grace of God, I've been forgiven. And we are to be like him. And I want to challenge you today. If you're here and, and, and you're having an issue or difficulty trying to forgive somebody else, I would encourage you today to lay it down at the cross. See, partaking in communion is not about being perfect before God. But it's being perfect in motive, realizing that we didn't get here on our own and we're thanking him for what he has done for us. So today, let's be like our teacher. Let's thank him for our forgiveness and let's forgive others. Father, we